just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. I'm in kind of a unique situation. Nah, don't worry. It's not a big deal. But I'm all alone. My wife went on a trip out of town with some friends, and I'm all by myself. I have total autonomy. I can go to eat where I want, when I want. I can go shopping where I want. Or I can sit around all day and doing TikToks and podcasts. And that's pretty much what I've done. I haven't really gone out that much. I haven't taken advantage of this autonomy. Now, the reason my wife is on this trip is because about a year ago, she retired as a teacher, and a few of her friends were retiring as well, and some uh, other teachers were coming up on retirement, so they thought they'd all take a trip together to Las Vegas. But, of course, COVID came along, and that shot that in the ass, and they couldn't do it, so they had to sit on it for a while. And so now time passes. Some of these teachers did retire, like my wife. Some of them are getting ready to retire. Some of them have gone to different schools. And these ladies that are teachers don't always get along completely all the time. And some of these uh, women butted heads and maybe aren't talking to each other anymore. So they plan on a new trip, but the uh, number of people on this trip is decidedly lower, which probably works out better. And this time they decided to go to Arizona go into Phoenix, stay in Scottsdale, maybe go up to see Sedona. Sounds like a great relaxing time, and I'm glad that my wife is taking this time. Uh, she stresses out about a lot of things, unnecessarily, but I can't tell her that because then she'd just get mad at me. But she stresses out too much. I don't stress out about anything. So if she and I don't see eye to eye on how to uh, react to certain things in life. She doesn't understand why I have no stress, and I don't understand why she has so much stress. I mean, we're 61 years old, both of us. We've gone through every trial and tribulation you could possibly go through, but here we are, 61 years old, doing just fine. So if we got through all that shit, how much do we have to worry about some of the little shit we have to deal with now? That's the way I look at it. Unfortunately, my wife doesn't look at it this way. I said, you don't need to worry about whatever it is we're talking about. And she looks at me and she says, somebody's got to worry. I go, no, nobody has to worry. There's nothing to worry about. She seems to think it's necessary that she worries, that somehow that will help the situation. And ultimately, what it does with her anyway, and I've tried to point this out, which is not a bright move, um, She'll worry about something. I said, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And she'll worry about it for a couple of days. And uh, then when we get to the point where whatever's happening happens, it turns out pretty easy. It's not a big deal. And she goes, wow, I didn't need to worry about that. I said, no, you didn't. I said, more importantly, take a look at what happened here. You spent two days miserable worrying about this, and there was nothing to worry about. You wasted two days being miserable. Now, I think I'm being helpful. <laughs> but those ladies listening to this podcast know better. That wasn't what I should say. <laughs> I've got a history of saying the wrong things to my wife. 
Fortunately, she has a good sense of humor. We know each other very well. We've been married 38 years, so we can get by those things. But if I get that look, I know what's up, and it's not good for me. So anyway, the ladies are down in uh, Arizona. She's always worried about whether I'll have something to do or if I'll be lonely. And I'll be honest, I miss her. We do a lot of things together. We do everything together. We have some friends we hang out from time to time, but most of the time it's me and her. And uh, we always have fun. So she feels bad when she goes on vacation without me. And I'll be honest with you, I don't mind the solitude now and again. I don't mind the autonomy. I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. But like I said, I end up doing TikToks and podcasts, which is fun for me, but it's not too crazy. I'm not getting out there and getting wild like I might have when I was 30. Well, I ain't 30 anymore. I'm 61. (laughs) It takes a lot less to excite me these days. And doing a podcast like that, like this, that's exciting enough for me. What the hell? So I miss her. I'm going to pick her up on Thursday. I'll be glad to have her back. And and uh, so she calls me today and she says, uh, yeah, I'll be back Thursday. I'll go, I'll be there waiting for you. I'll pick you up. She goes, ah, we were talking. We're going to probably take another trip in October. <laughs> now she really feels guilty. And I could work that for all it's worth. But I'm not going to because I'll just pay for it in the end anyway. So I'm not going to. I go, well, great. That'd be good. And now she's starting to feel bad. I go, honey, don't feel bad. Go out, have fun, release some stress, enjoy yourself. You're retired for Christ's sake. So we'll see what happens when she goes on the next trip. I said, however, you and I do a lot of traveling. And we are still going to do some traveling, whether you do these extra trips with your friends or not. We're not going to cut back on our trips together. She goes, oh, no, no, definitely not. I said, good, because I'm going to hold you to that. I like traveling too. And I like traveling with her. So we aren't going to cut that out just because we've got these uh, extraneous trips with her friends. But I'm glad she did it. I'm glad she'll be back Thursday. I'm going to be really curious to see where they're going next time in October. Anyhow, let's get to the business at hand. A lot of folks have been really worried about this recall election in California. And as I looked at it, honestly, I never thought it was a big concern. I didn't. I didn't think there was any way that Gavin Newsom would get less than 50% of no votes. And and frankly, that's what it takes. It's a recall election. And uh, the, the first question you have to vote on is, do you want to recall Governor Gavin Newsom, yes or no? Now, if he gets 50% or more of the no votes, then he retains his governorship for the rest of his term. If he gets less than 50%, then there's a whole group of other fucking people on the list that want to run against him. And the next question is, well, if not Gavin Newsom, who do you want to be governor? And the top vote-getter amongst this 46-deep group would be the governor. Well, that's a fucked-up system. So you're telling me Gavin Newsom could get 49% and then Larry Elder the radio talk show host um, conservative could get 26% and win the governorship? How does that make any sense? Well, anyway, I didn't think that was going to be an issue. And as it turned out, it looks like uh, Gavin Newsom got 70% no's and uh, what, 30% yeses. So it was a wipeout. It was another 
Republican ass whooping. And I'm so glad to see it. And I hope all the people in California are finally relieved, especially if you're worried about this. I didn't think Gavin would lose, but I had no idea it would be this big a margin. But when you think about it, how else could it be? Democrats have two to one the voters that Republicans have. So in order for Republicans to pull this out, there are a lot of things have to happen. And the likelihood of that is almost zero. So there was no way that Larry Elder or any other person running against Gavin Newsom was going to win, but it's been verified now. And uh, Gavin Newsom is the governor, will be the governor for the rest of the term. And uh, that's Good news for California. That's good news from the Democratic Party. And maybe a little bit of a, uh, a sign to the Republicans. Granted, it's California, it's heavy liberal, but they got their ass whooped. And they're all excited about 2022. Now, remember what I told you. Just because history tells us that the Republicans will win the House and the Senate after a Democratic president in 2020, doesn't mean it's going to happen because everything is different than anything we've seen in history. And this might be the first sign. This wasn't just a win. This was an ass whooping. And so hopefully this will carry over into 2022 and the Republicans will take a beating like they've never seen before. You got to remember, there's going to be a lot of shit coming out about them. The insurrection, the investigations, all this stuff. And once it comes out, it's going to... uh, cause a lot of problems for the Republicans. They're going to take some big hits. I'm a firm believer that 2022 is going to be a bad year for the Republicans, and thank God for that. You can hold me to it. If I'm wrong, you can laugh at me, but you're going to have to wait till November of 2022. Then we can talk about it again. Now, the interesting thing about this recall thing is um, everybody was concerned about this Larry Elder. Now, this guy's a fucking clown. He is a conservative radio talk show host. He's not a politician. He doesn't know jack shit. Have we learned nothing after having a reality star president? That just doesn't work. It's a mess, and it's a problem. But this guy is a special kind of stupid. Now, he's a black man, and that's fine. But he aligns himself with white supremacists. What's that a fucking bout? Why would you even do that? I mean, he he regularly suggests that women aren't as smart as men when it comes to politics or business or those sorts of things. Are you fucking kidding me? Women make up more than 50% of the voters. Why would you piss them off? It's like he wants to lose. And the funniest thing I heard him say, and I say funny because it's not really funny, but it's so fucking ridiculous, you have to laugh at him. Now, here's a black man. They're talking about reparations to the ancestors of those people that were enslaved. That's a serious conversation and a serious consideration. I get it. He thinks, (laughs) Larry Elder said, I don't think the, the ancestors of slaves should get the reparations. I mean, when you think about it, the slaves were legal property of those slave owners. And then they were taken away from them. If anybody should get reparations, it should be the slave owners. Jesus Christ. I can, how, how are you going to win an election talking like that? 
Well, he didn't, and he won't, and hopefully he'll shut his mouth and go back to his radio station and talk to the fucking dumb Trumplicans and do whatever he's going to do because he has no business in California politics. It's just not going to happen. But I tell you what, that Larry Elder probably helped Gavin Newsom in this election. And I'll tell you why. Because when there are 46 other people he's running against, it's really hard to campaign against people because you don't know who's going to be the front runner. So you really got nowhere to point your argument or your campaigning. When Larry Elder stepped up, and he was such a fucking Republican hack, and he's such a nutcase, now Gavin was able to focus in on him and campaign against him, which isn't hard because he's a bad candidate. He's a bad human being. And so it was easier for Gavin to Gavin Newsom to uh, campaign against this guy. So by coming to the top as the Republican potential candidate or potential governor, this made it easier for Gavin Newsom to make some make some traction. And that may have helped him get to 70% no vote. So, hey, thanks, Larry Elder, you fucking idiot. See you later. Go back to your radio show. <laughs> now, of course, once... Once we've got this election done in California, now all the Republicans are going to start screaming, oh, it's election fraud, it's voter fraud, like they always do. But I got to tell you, at this point, I'm pretty much tired of hearing it. They have no substance at all. They show no proof. They have no evidence. They can't go to court. They keep getting kicked out. So I don't even want to hear this shit. Don't tell me there's election fraud when there are twice as many Democrats in California over the Republicans. If you thought your Republican Party had a fucking chance to win in California, then you're a complete idiot. So yak all the way you want, but Gavin Newsom's the governor and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's what I think is funny. I brought this up on a TikTok. I'll bring it up here. Republicans are always complaining about election fraud every time they lose. And let's be honest, lately they've been losing a lot. They lost the presidency. They lost the senators in Georgia. They lost Georgia as a red state. They lost Arizona as a red state. They lost Pennsylvania. They lost Michigan. And every time, every time they complained about election fraud. Well, let's just say there really is election fraud. Let's just say, yeah, the Democrats are doing it to the Republicans. And frankly, if they did, I'd be happy as hell. It's about time they got some retribution for their behavior with the Democrats. But let's just say that happened. Well, if that is true, I have to ask this question to the Republicans. You always talk about how smart and how tough you are and how on top of things you are then why is it the Democrats are kicking your ass all over the country? They keep winning, and they keep winning, and they keep winning, and you can't do shit to stop them. Why is that? You're supposed to be superior, but you can't stop these damn bastard Democrats from kicking your ass every time and cheating. And again, I'm saying, let's just say there is election fraud. But the fact of the matter is, if there is election fraud, then the Democrats are making the Republicans their bitch. <laughs> so what are you going to do about it? 
You've already tried to go to court. Every court in the land, the Supreme Court, it got thrown out. Mike Lindell tried to show some evidence, had absolutely zero. You got nothing going for you. So if there really is election fraud, then the Democrats are kicking your ass, and good for them. Somebody should kick your ass. You've been such a bully for so long, it's about time you got it back. But the fact of the matter is there really is no election fraud. It's just an excuse because they can't be wrong and they can't lose. It's childish. It's like a six-year-old, you know. I play checkers with my nine-year-old grandson. I let him win most of the time because I'm trying to teach him the game and look at some of the strategies and stuff. He's a pretty smart kid, so he's handling it. But a couple times I beat him. And the kid doesn't say to me, oh, I always beat you. You you must have cheated or something. He doesn't say that. He says, oh, good game, Grandpa. Good game. But I've won more. I go, I know you've won more, and I'm glad you've won more. You should be better than me. My hopes and dreams for my grandkids and my kids are that you're better people, smarter, more successful than I have ever been. If that happens, then I am comfortable. I am content. But even this nine-year-old doesn't act like these Republicans, always crying about somebody cheated. Well, nobody's cheated, and it's been proved that nobody's cheated. And so you should just shut up about it. Look to another strategy because the shit ain't working. You keep trying and it just doesn't work anymore. You know, and when you talk about election fraud, it's funny that the Republicans are constantly trying to claim election fraud. With this new book that came out with uh, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa called Peril, it's... um, And I'll talk more about this after the break. Uh, But there is a lot of information that came out about what was going on in the last days of the Trump administration. I mean, there's a lot of calling to Georgia, a lot of calling to Arizona, a lot of calling to Michigan by Donald Trump, specifically trying to get them to cheat and flip the election. Now, this is highly illegal. This is one way to try to steal an election. But instead, you keep blaming it on the Democrats, that they're stealing the election. But you do it blatantly in front of everybody's face. (laughs) I mean, this is either stupidity or the ultimate illustration of projection, or both, or both. But this book that came out by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa is interesting. And uh, I got a couple of stories that came from that book. Now, I don't even think the book's out yet. I haven't read the book totally, but I've read excerpts that have been available. And uh, the excerpts that have come out are pretty compelling and pretty damning for Donald Trump. So we're going to talk about that in the uh, next segment. Because what was going on in those last days after Donald Trump lost the election are absolutely frightening and disgusting and ridiculous. And one of the things we can do with Donald Trump is expose all his crimes and all his failures. Because somebody like him, a narcissist, sociopath, the worst thing you can do to them is expose them as failures. They absolutely hate that. Put them in a corner where they can't get out of it, can't lie out of it. And they freak out. They'll either run away or fight dirty or whatever. 
Now, chances are Donald Trump will try to start some shit. But that time's coming for Donald Trump because as we get further away from his administration, more and more information is coming out and more and more of us are going to hear about it. And when the whole country knows what a failure and what a criminal he is, he is going to be losing his shit. We'll talk about that in the next segment, so stick with us. All right, so in the first segment, I referenced a new book that is out. It's called Peril, and it's about the last days of the Trump administration. It's written by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. Now, we're always used to hearing Republicans say, oh, those guys are hacks, or whoever wrote something doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, the problem in this case is that Bob Woodward and Robert Costa are probably some of the most respected journalists in Washington these days. You might recognize Bob Woodward's name because he was part of uh, the Watergate investigation and the uh, stories in the Washington Post. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. He's done a lot of amazing stuff. In fact, he wrote a book about Donald Trump in the middle of the term uh, with the Trump administration. So he knows his shit. You're not going to be able to knock these guys down because they were in the White House. We had Bob Woodward even talking to Donald Trump. You wonder why does Donald Trump talk to Bob Woodward? Well, because he's stupid and because he knows this guy gets ratings and that's all that matters to him. He doesn't care if stupid shit gets out because he doesn't realize that he's saying this stupid shit. But one interesting story in this book, now the book's not out, I haven't read the book, I've read excerpts like you can read too if you look around, but one excerpt in this book is kind of interesting. We keep hearing the Republicans tearing apart Joe Biden for this uh, troop pullout in Afghanistan, how it's all his fault, all his problems, he did it all. But the fact of the matter is he didn't do the pullout till six months into his administration. How the fuck could it be his fault? This thing's been going on 20 years. George W. Bush put us there, didn't pull us out. Barack Obama didn't pull us out. Donald Trump had four years and didn't pull us out. However, we're hearing some interesting information from this book. And it'll show you just how stupid Donald Trump is. Eight days after losing the 2020 election, then-President Donald Trump was determined to end the war in Afghanistan during his presidency. That was what he wanted to do. He figured if he could pull out the troops in Afghanistan, he could be the hero, and somehow it would save him and get him back in the presidency. But that's fucking ridiculous. He sent the, he, the, the memo he wrote, though, went like this. It was sent to the, uh, the defense secretary, and the memo said that they were to withdraw the troops on January 15th, 2021, five days before he would leave office. He wanted it to happen while he was in office. The directive, again, was titled uh, Memorandum, and it was for the defense secretary. Well, in that I don't know if it was in that same memo or there was another memo, uh, but he was also talking about pulling all the troops out of uh, Somalia by December 31st. Now, he'd already lost the election, but he was trying to pull off some Hail Mary passes or something 
that would either make him look like a hero and then people would realize that, oh, we were wrong. Let's put Donald Trump back in that dumb shit. He probably thought that. Or he thought he would create some kind of chaos or some kind of military interaction that would make it impossible for him to leave office. Now, that's unprecedented. That never happened. But in his mind, you can see how he'd figure out that that might be his final shot, his Hail Mary pass, and be able to stay into office. So he was taking out all the troops by January 15th in Afghanistan. He was taking all the troops out of Somalia by December 31st, and he thought that would do it for him. But here's the interesting thing. General Mark Milley, the uh, head of the Joint Chiefs, got wind of this memorandum and he looked at it. And he was appalled because he hadn't heard anything about this at all. So he went to the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor, the Defense Secretary, and said, what the fuck up is with this? And none of them have heard a thing about it. He was trying to do this on his own and sneak it through. Well, the fact of the matter is there is a process for doing these things. You don't have total control as president. There has to be some checks and balances. But he thought he could slip it under the wire, make all this stuff happen, be the hero, or cause some kind of problem that keeps him in office. That's the kind of dirtbag he is. Well, of course, Mark Milley is a reasonable man, is a patriot. He cares about democracy, and he has some power. And he told all these people uh, that were under him that said, if anything militarily comes down from Donald Trump, you need to come to me first. And he asked each and every one of them individually, you understand? And they said yes. I guess he looked at it as kind of an oath. And uh, frankly, that is the normal process any, anyway. He's not required to get the information, but typically they would go to the uh, Joint Chiefs and the head of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, and let him know about it. But he was concerned about Donald Trump going rogue and doing something crazy just before the inauguration so that he could cause problems and stay in office, undermine democracy. General Mark Milley understood the ramifications of such a thing and how it would damage this country and damage our way of government, democracy. So he was concerned about it. And he wanted to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't try to slip something through again. I mean, who knows what this fucking idiot would do? Send a nuclear warhead to some country just to cause an upheaval. I mean, Donald Trump told us straight out he loves chaos. He works better with chaos. So it's reasonable to believe that before he left office, he would create some chaos. And he did, but not to the extent that he might have if it weren't for General Mark Milley, who was able to keep an eye on what was going on and keep it settled down. He had another person backing him up and kind of yelling at General Mark Milley and said, said uh, that he needed to watch this. And that was that was uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Now, she was mad and scared. It was after the January 6th insurrection, and she thought if he can cause something like this, an attack on the U.S. Capitol, what else could he do, and how much bigger could it be? So uh, Nancy Pelosi was nervous, and he went to she went to Mark Milley and said, look, you need to 
save us from any crazy shit he's going to do. And Mark Milley agreed that he would do something. Now, it's out of character. It's maybe not even totally legal. But it meant a lot to this country and the safety of this country, and something had to be done. And thank God for General Mark Milley, because God knows what Donald Trump might have done. And it's funny, Nancy Pelosi, you wouldn't picture her saying this, but this is exactly what she said. She said, who's in charge in the White House? Is there anybody that has common sense over there? Is it just a bunch of people kissing his fat white ass? (laughs) Can you imagine Nancy Pelosi saying that? Apparently she did say it. Actually, maybe misquoted her. I added something to make it sound better. I should say it again. She said, or is everybody there just kissing his fight or kissing his fat ass? <laughs> I guess she didn't say white. That would be inferred, I guess, because he's a white guy. But so Nancy Pelosi was worried about it. No doubt other Democrats were worried about it. Mark Milley was worried about it. And they pretty much shut him out until the inauguration. So he didn't do something crazy. And that's troubling. You know, we've got somebody who's in the presidency and that can essentially do anything. At least we know that now. We thought norms and common sense would prevail and we wouldn't have to have all these things hanging over the head of a president. And that's why they decided not to be able to indict a sitting president. But Donald Trump did so many things to be indicted and he did so much damage to this country. Can you imagine How much trouble would have been saved if this guy could have been indicted and shut down? Or if the Republicans, at least once of the two impeachments, actually voted properly and and, uh, found this guy guilty and got him the fuck out of office? We could have saved a lot of troubles that we're struggling with now, but the Republicans refused to do it. And for whatever reason, a president can get away with anything he wants. And this is one thing I hope Joe Biden and the Democrats look at. And this is for Democrats and Republicans. A president shouldn't be able to get away with the things that Donald Trump did. It's too dangerous for this country. It could be catastrophic, depending on what they do. We can't afford to have that happen. And now we can't trust that people have common sense and decency when they become president because Donald Trump did not. And we were at some severe risk because of that. It'll be interesting to see how some of the information that's coming out now, as I said in the first segment, we're hearing about all these calls that Donald Trump and his lackeys like Giuliani and Pence and such made to Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania and Michigan and other places trying to get people to flip the election. This guy was willing to do anything, and he was willing to do it blatantly, and he did. And at this point, he isn't indicted. He isn't in jail. He wasn't impeached. We can only hope that something will come down the pike where he will pay the price. I'm convinced he will. I know why it's taking so long, because he's a former president. You don't just jump up, cuff him up, and drag him out of his house and put him in jail. It's not going to work that way. You can't. It's not going to look good for the country, and it's going to cause a lot of turmoil in the country. So you have to be careful how you go about this. Maybe ease into it with one indictment, then another indictment, then a trial. i got to be honest with you. One of my favorite things that I pray for every day is seeing Donald Trump on the witness stand, under oath, 
testifying and answering questions. They didn't want him to do that during the impeachment trial because they knew he can't help himself. He's going to lie. And uh, he will lie. And that'll get him in trouble just doing that. You know what that did to Bill Clinton? He didn't get busted with, for having sex with Monica Lewinsky. He got impeached because he lied about it. Unfortunately, Donald Trump lied about it, too, and uh, it didn't matter to the Republicans. One other thing I wanted to talk about is Mike Pence. Now, on January 6th, we were led to believe that Mike Pence was the one member of the Trump administration that had uh, a sound mind, that knew he had to do the right thing and just went ahead and did it. And what he did do is he certified the election as to his constitutional duty. Now, he even did this after the insurrection happened. Everything settled down. They went back in. They continued the votes, and he certified it. So we thought, well, maybe Pence isn't a bad guy. Maybe he's halfway decent. Well, now in this new book, Peril by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, we find a little different story. And it's a little more disturbing and less uh, complimentary to Mike Pence. You see, in spite of the fact that he did the right thing, he was really thinking hard about how to not do the right thing. He was getting all kinds of pressure from Donald Trump. He was on him day and night talking to him and trying to get him to flip the election, not to certify the election on January 6th. He was trying to cover all bases. He had the insurrection happening. Well, let's go in and hang him. <laughs> I guess that didn't come until after Mike Pence did certify the election. Now Donald Trump was mad. Now the Trumplicans were mad. They attacked the Capitol, and now they want to hang Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. So Mike Pence has good reason to not think too highly of Donald Trump. But still... He licks his boots. That's what Mike Pence does. He's a bootlicker. So Mike Pence was trying to consider how to actually use his power to not certify the election. Now, the thing you got to understand about a vice president certifying an election, it's more just a procedure. It's not a choice. You just go up there and do it. At that point, by the point he gets to it, it's a done deal. And he just has to certify it as president of the Senate. Donald Trump thought for some way that uh, he had power not to do it, and that wasn't true. So Mike Pence is all, all in a tizzy. He doesn't know what to do. Donald Trump's mean. What will Donald Trump do to me? Well, he'll try to hang you. Now we know that. But what will he do? So how can I work this deal out so I can keep Donnie Trump happy, in spite of the fact that it's going to ruin our democracy? So he reaches out to advice. And who does he reach out to? <laughs> he reaches out to another former vice president, another vi former vice president that was also from Indiana, like Mike Pence was, Dan Quayle. Now, you have to be old enough to know Dan Quayle because he was the vice president to George H.W. Bush, the first Bush, way back, 90s, early 90s. And, uh, and so he, he calls 
Dan Quayle. Now, what you got to understand about Dan Quayle, Dan Quayle got a hard time because he wasn't exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. There was a lot of dumb shit he did, but one that he's most famous for is going into an elementary school classroom. And he's working with the kids, you know, just a just a photo op and all that stuff. <clears throat> and so he decides he's going to write a word on the blackboard, and he chooses potato. And uh, he spells it P-O-T-A-T-O-E, <laughs> which is wrong. And one of the kids comes up and said, no, 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 that's wrong. There's no E. He goes, no, I think there's an E. I'm the vice president. There's a fucking E. <laughs> kid says, no, there's no E. And it turns out the kid was right. Our vice president was wrong. And he looked stupid as shit. I'm sure he was embarrassed. There were other things. I mean, we can all make spelling errors, but Jesus Christ, don't do it on national TV when you're vice president of the United States. Well, anyways, Pence is asking Quayle what to do. Because Quayle had experience being a vice president. He was the last guy that certified an opposing party as the winner of the presidential election. Remember, George H.W. Bush only had one term. Bill Clinton comes in. So we've got, uh, we've got uh, Dan Quayle having to certify the election for Bill Clinton. Of course, there were no issues. There, were no, there was no insurrection. There was no problem like that. So it went pretty smoothly. But Mike Pence is in such a tizzy because Donald Trump is pressuring him, trying to talk to Dan Quayle to figure out what he can do to flip it for his buddy, Donald Trump. (laughs) Now, Dan Quayle is the hero here. Imagine that, Dan Quayle, probably one of of the top five dumbest politicians we've had uh, as vice president, probably in the top two. He said, Mike, you have no wiggle room. Just certify the election. Well, of course, Mike Pence is hemming and hawing, and he doesn't like that idea because then Donnie will be mad, and then he'll be mad at me, and God knows what he'll do. So then Dan Quayle gets frustrated, and he says, Mike, you have no flexibility on this. None. Zero. Forget about it. And Pence still being kind of whiny, said, I know, that's what I try to tell Trump, but he really thinks I can. And there are other guys that say I have the power. Doesn't say who the other guys are, doesn't matter. Then he says, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, you poor baby, the choice between uh, democracy and undermining democracy. What a tough choice for a vice president of the United States. But he didn't want to face Donald Trump because he was afraid what was going to happen if he went against him. Well, he did go against them because he couldn't find any way to actually legally do it. There was no way that he was going to decertify the election or not certify the election. So he did. The only thing he could do was certify the election. Now, he got all kinds of praise, but he just did the job he was supposed to do. I don't know that he deserved any praise. And now that we hear this other part of the story, well, yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve any praise. But I got to tell you, Mike's concerns were well-founded 
because when he didn't when he did certify the election and Joe Biden was the president, Donnie Trump got mad. And if you remember on January 6th, after that happened, Donnie was screaming about it. He was basically saying Mike Pence was a coward. And then he told the crowd, we got to go up there and fight for our rights. Well, it's over, Donnie. What are you going to fight for? Oh, wait, you're going to cause an insurrection and try to take it by force. And while Mike Pence was worried about what Donald Trump might do, it was well-founded because when those insurrectionists came to the door and broke into the Capitol, they brought a gallows with a uh, noose on it. They wanted to hang Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. So there was going to be some attempted retribution for not doing what Donald Trump wanted to do. And still we debate whether Donald Trump had anything to do with the insurrection. He had everything to do with the insurrection. He's a fucking criminal. He's an idiot. A lot of people think he's got these master plans and he's a supermind. He's not. He's a narcissist. Narcissists will say and do anything and push you to get you to believe it. And they only do things to benefit themselves. There is no master plan or strategy or 3D fucking chess. There's none of this. It's absolute ignorance and just throwing shit against the wall and flailing around trying to get your way. That's all he did. That's all he will ever do. But still, people think he's a genius, a stable genius, and he's not. He's far from a genius, and he's certainly far from stable. This guy has some emotional problems. He has some mental problems. In fact, Mark Milley, when this was all going on, he was concerned and wanted to hamstring Donald Trump because he thought he was out and out crazy, that he might do something crazy. And I think that was a good choice by Mark Milley. Assume this guy's going to do something crazy and get fucking nuts and put this whole country or this whole world in danger. So, he did what he did, and thank God for that. <laughs> Donald Trump has got all kinds of investigations going against him. Hopefully, all will be exposed, and he will pay the price for it. Because this country has been severely damaged between COVID and all the other things that Donald Trump did, it's going to be very difficult for us to come out the other side and be the same as we were before we went into COVID. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe things weren't so great when we went into COVID and had Donald Trump as president. Maybe this just exposed all the bullshit that has always been hidden. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to rectify these problems and get back on a straight and narrow roadway. I said that when he first got into office. I said that uh, Donald Trump will certainly destroy the Republican Party, and he has. And he may even destroy the whole system of government. And he's come close to doing that. Now, the reason I think destroying the whole system of government might have been a good thing is because our system is fucked up. We need a better system. We need a system that actually represents we the people. And we don't have that now. And maybe that will allow us to get back on track and get pointed in the right direction. And I think Joe Biden's the right guy to be doing it because he seems to want to do that for us. The only problem is going through something like that is traumatic and it's going to cause a lot of problems. Well, we're seeing the problems now. 
Let's hope we can get through this. Make everybody accountable who did the bad things for this country. And we can get back on track. I don't know how quickly we can do that. But I think we have the right guy with Joe Biden in doing it. I don't think he's interested in running in 24, so he doesn't have to pander to voters. He can just do what's right. And hopefully he'll have the room to do that with the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And hopefully in 2022, it'll make it easier for the Democrats to do what they need to do when they whoop ass again on the Republicans. All right, I'm going long again. I keep going long. Sorry about that. Not really sorry. I'm just I'm just, I'm just doing what I do, and I'll stop when I stop. I try to keep it in a general range. But anyway, I'll be back in a day or so, and we'll do another podcast. We'll do all some TikToks and Instagram and all that stuff. We'll keep you informed the best we can. So stick with us, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.